scripture, God has really showed. This one's been three more days in the oven. It's got a lot more to it. I hope I don't keep it too long. But anyway, if you turn with me here this morning, I want us to look at something, a verse that God's put on my heart. And Paul is speaking here, and he's speaking that is a common theme of Paul. He uses it throughout that the, the church, the people of God, is the household of God. And before we read that, I want to read to you a place in Ephesians. This is Paul speaking about us, the church, the body of Christ. He's speaking of us as the household of God. He says in Ephesians, he says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and saints. And the last thing he says in that verse is that we are members of the household of God. Every one of us here represent a household. There's a father and a, a, a mother, a husband and a wife. You got kids, that's a household. And you know, that's what he's using here as a picture. And he says, in whom the whole building, being the church, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God. And so all of us as individual members are being built together, fitted together individually as a household of God. He's using another illustration here. How many of you here invite people over to your house every now and then and you get a special guest, a guest that you're excited that he's coming? How many of you would have been excited if the preacher came over to eat? You know, I notice when the preacher comes over, boy, they get everything cleaned up and fixed up and they use the good stuff, amen, and they cook him a good meal. Well, just think if Jesus came to your house. But you know what? If Jesus don't come here today, we all came here in vain. Came here for nothing. And I don't know about y'all, but when Jesus shows up, we're not just inviting a preacher. You're inviting the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Most High God to come and hang out with us in his house. And Paul writes something here that's really been speaking to me. He's got a lot of places he can choose to go. But listen what Paul says in this verse, in verse 20 of chapter 2 in 2 Timothy. He says, but in a great house, there's no greater house than the church house, the house of God. And that's what he's using this to illustrate. He says, in a great house, a rich house, a, a, a mighty house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. What he's talking about is your china, your silverware, the things you set the table with. And he says, not only is there vessels of honor made with silver and gold that you only use occasionally for special times, but there's also vessels of wood and clay that you use every day. Today, if you come to our house on a usual old day, we're drinking out a mason jar, Amen. But if you was invited to come for a special occasion to be our guest of honor, Diane would break out some stuff. <laughs> She'd use different plates and different silverware and different glasses. And friends, today, as Jesus comes, what Paul is using us as a picture of is that today every one of us is either a vessel for honor, not of honor, for honor. For the honor of who? For the honor of the one who we've invited to come and be with us in our house. And he says that there's plates that are of old wood and clay that you use every day, but there's some that are made from silver 
and gold that you use only at certain occasions. Listen to what he says below that. And therefore, verse 21, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, the things that dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, not of honor, for honor. He will be sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. I don't know about you, but if you're saved today, you should have a burning desire to not just be a common old everyday Christian, but to be a Christian for honor, that when people look at you and see you sitting in the household of God, when we have lost people come in, they don't see just everyday old common Christianity. When they watch your life and they watch how you live and they see what's reflecting out of you, the glory of God, they see a vessel for honor that points them to him, Jesus. But today it's so easy just to be common like everybody else. But we're not called to be like everybody else. We're called to be vessels of honor that when the world sees us, they see something that is not just every day. They see something like silver and gold that points them towards our Savior. And friends, if God is to be honored here today, we can't just come like most people come. We got to come prepared. Because listen to what he says right there in that verse. He says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that's the things that dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor. And he will be sanctified. That means set apart, called out to be holy for the purposes of God. And then you become useful for the master. But look at what he says. Prepared for every good work. The people that God's using today that are accomplishing the good works that he wants to do to bring glory to his name, to bring life and benefit to lost people and to minister to people, he's doing it through vessels of honor. And he says that a vessel that can be for honor to him is a prepared vessel, a sanctified vessel, a dedicated and consecrated vessel. And I hate to tell you, but vessels are me and you. And today, what kind of vessel are you? What kind of vessel do you want to be for the Lord? Because there's some things that he has to do. He has to save you by his grace, and then his grace is activated in his life, and God initiates the work, but we must respond. We must seek. We must want and desire and hunger for the things he has to give and do in our life. And Paul shows us some things right here. Friends, if you're going to be a vessel of honor, prepared for every good work, sanctified and set apart, useful to our master, there's some things he reveals in these verses above and below that I want you to see this morning. The first thing he says is when you look above in verse 19, he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. I don't know about y'all, I'm thankful that no matter what happens, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands on the seal of something. The seal of what? The seal of who God is and what he does in our life. And when he says, nevertheless, he's saying something above there that you need to be aware of. But look at what he says. He says, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. I don't know about y'all, but ain't it good today that the Lord looks in here and he knows everyone that's a vessel, that's a member of his household. Unfortunately, he looks at some of us 
And we might be living like old earthen wood, common, everyday stuff. <laughs> Some of you might feel like a Dixie cup, a paper cup, amen, an old paper plate. But guys, can you imagine what it must be like when the Lord looks into his church, his house, and he sees a bunch of people that look like silver and gold because their life is honoring him. It's not dishonoring him. So what makes one life one way and one the other? Well, if you call on the name of the Lord, let everyone who does that depart, he says in that verse, from iniquity. And friends, look at what he says right there. He says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. It's not God's problem. God ain't the one that is going to determine whether we are honoring him or dishonoring him. That's up to you. Because the first thing he says to do is let everyone who names the name of the Lord Jesus depart from iniquity. Now, if we're going to depart from iniquity, we got to do something first and foremost. we got to know what iniquity is. we got to know what righteousness is. Some people's translation says depart from unrighteousness or depart from ungodliness, and that's an equal, right, good translation because that's what iniquity is. Iniquity is unrighteousness. It's wickedness. It's ungodliness. And friends, what iniquity is is that iniquity is sin that has manifested and grown and metastasized to the point that it's become sinning in a person's life. It's not just an occasional failure because of your weakness, your old nature. We all sin, but if we've been born again, calling on the name of the Lord, we're to be departing from sinning, making it a way of life. Does that make sense to you? And when you let sin, something in your life that you let occur, and you don't treat it the right way, you don't see it as God sees it, and you don't deal with it the way God says to deal with it. Sin will every time, if you just take it lightly, become sinning. Can I get an amen from that? It don't just naturally go away. And if you let sin become sinning, and you let it just become a habit, it becomes habitual, that's iniquity. And when that sin in your life, he prayed, oh, praise God that you got that on your heart, brother, to pray for people who have addiction sins and sins of repetitive nature when you don't take it seriously and you act like well i'm under grace you will never be a vessel of honor that is gold and silver for the lord and so he says you have to depart from that because if you let sin get in your life till it becomes sinning in your life that sinning will eventually make your life sinful in the eyes of god so how do you do that well the first thing you do is you got to make sure you know what righteousness is and what truth is. And so you got to be living a life that does not make you ashamed that is approved by God. You say, well, how do you do that? You can't do it without this book. You can't do it without having a working knowledge and an understanding of truth and God's word. Look at what he says right above here in verse 13. He's telling Timothy, be diligent. Verse 15, I'm sorry. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Guys, when we come here and we want to stand before God's holy presence and God comes and he shows up like a guest to a dinner to sit at our table with us today as we worship in the presence as his house, you got to be a vessel that's approved by God. That need not be ashamed. And friends, if we were judgment day honest today. How often do we come on a regular basis, Sunday after Sunday, with things that if everybody else in here knew what we've been doing, 
we'd be ashamed. But listen, if we'd be ashamed, if you'd be ashamed because we know, God does know. He watches everything in our life. And so he tells us that we are to what? Be diligent. That means make effort. It's a struggle. You've got to be intentional. Amen? It's not going to happen by accident to be approved by God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, and how do you do that? By rightly dividing the word of truth. A Christian who is not a student of the word will never, ever, very seldom, consistently be a worker that is approved of God. Because you've got to constantly have the word of God entering into your life. Look at what the Bible says the word of God does to us and why it does what it does. Look what Paul says about the word of God. Look at verse 16 of chapter 3. I told y'all it would be different. Look at verse 16. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's what you do. When you rightly divide the word of truth, you're learning doctrine. You're learning what teachings of God is. And he says this, look at that verse. He says, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You know what? Some of us are in iniquity and you ain't been reproofed by the word of God so long, you forgot it. (laughs) You got habitual stuff in your life that disapproves you with God that you'd be ashamed if you stood in his holy presence right now, but you ain't in the word. You're here preaching on Sunday. Listen, no matter how good a preaching you might hear on Sunday, if that's all you get a week with everything else out there trying for your attention and trying to instruct you and trying to conform you and make you into what the world wants you to be, you don't have much of a chance, amen, of walking in a way that is approved by God that will honor him. And we're to be vessels for honor. That's what Paul's talking about. And listen to what he goes on and says in that verse. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, exposing you. That's where we get the word exposures from, proofs, for correction. You see, sometimes what God proofs you and shows you about you, he corrects. But ain't it good that once God corrects you and shows you the error of your way, he always shows you the right way to go and instructs you in righteousness. That's what the Word of God does. Why is it doing that? Look at this verse. It's so cool. He says, all scripture has been given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for reproofing, for showing us who we are, for correcting us from what is wrong, for instructing us in what is right, that the man of God may be complete, that's mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's what a vessel of honor, a vessel for honor is. It's so that we can do the work that God's prepared for us to do. So guys, listen, you got to be able to discern truth from error. Heresy from what God's word says is God-inspired, God-breathed. And the word of God can never say what it never meant. You've got to be able to interpret it. Listen, that's the importance of not getting caught up in what only makes you feel good. Because listen what he tells them right here. This is what he's saying, nevertheless. He's saying in verse 16, go back to what I'm looking at. He says, be diligent to present yourself a proof to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. You know, there's a lot of people that babble and they'll tell you stories. It'll, it'll entertain you spiritually. 
But if it ain't accurate, if it ain't rightly divided from the book of holy inspired scripture that God breathed, it's like a cancer. It won't make you more godly. It'll corrupt what God wants to do. Look at what he says. He says right there, but shun profane and idle babblings for they will increase to more ungodliness and their message will spread like cancer. And then he gives you two people that he names by name, Hymenaeus and Phileas are of this sort. Look at what he says about him in verse 18, who have strayed concerning the truth. Guys, if we're going to be vessels for honor, you cannot stray concerning the truth. So you've got to be every day getting a diet of truth. You've got to be hearing from God's word. You've got to be instructed. You've got to be corrected. You've got to be reproved if you're going to be a man of God that's complete and prepared. Listen to what he goes on and says. He says in verse 18, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying because of people who don't really preach the Bible, they just tell biblical stories, they tell babblings, and they tell spiritual things that ain't rightly divided. It says that they cause some people, like a cancer, to be spiritually sick, who stray from the truth. And they overthrow their faith. But the good news is this, nevertheless, even though that's happening, how many of you have looked around lately? But nevertheless, even though there is heresy out there, even though there's error being taught in the name of Jesus, even though there's false preachers in the land, he said, but nevertheless, the solid foundation of God still stands, having this seal. And you know what he says the great proof of it is? (laughs) He said, let everyone who names the name of the Lord Depart from what? Practicing sin. That's what iniquity is. Sinful lifestyles. Friends, there's churches today who will teach and preach and say that homosexuality and sinful stuff, morality is okay. There's churches today that will teach stuff that is not true. Why? In the name of Jesus, they will try to confuse and trick. But listen, even though that's happening, the solid foundation of God still stands for he knows their oath who are his. And guys, listen, if we're going to be a vessel of honor, not only do we have to know the truth, we have to do what the truth says. If the truth says it's wrong, it don't matter what everybody else in America says, we know it's not. And friends, listen, the next thing, I look at this, and I've seen this, and I've been watching since I've been a preacher, and in my personal life, I know this is true. Our biggest problem, the majority of us that sit in the church today, is not our doctrine. We got good doctrine. You've heard enough Bible. You have been influenced by enough Bible. You got good doctrine. You know right and wrong. You, you, you know what's true. Our problem is not that we haven't rightly divided the word of truth. Most of the Baptist preachers I know are conservative preachers that preach the word. But lots of us in the church don't listen to the word. You see, you not only got to be a hearer of the word, you got to be a doer of the word. And the Bible says that Jesus said, the bottom line is this, the foundation of God, the seal that it stands upon is the fact that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will depart from iniquity, habitual sinfulness, We'll still sin occasionally because we can't help it. But we'll not make our life 
a life of sin. When people see us, they won't see us like everybody else, wooden clay, common. They'll see us as a vessel of honor, uncommon. And it'll bring honor to Jesus. Does that make sense? You see, you've got to depart from sin. You've got to turn to God. It's called integrity and character is what he's talking about here. But listen what he says right here. Not only do you have to turn and depart from iniquity, habitual practice of sin in your life, but you have to turn to the things that are of God. You have to pursue them. So it takes a conscious, intentional effort to depart from habitual sinfulness, iniquity. And then it takes, that's repentance. That's the first step. Repentance is twofold. Turning from sinfulness. But then there's a turning to God and godliness. You see, there's two steps to true, genuine, biblical repentance. And so you turn from those things that dishonor God, that he disapproves of, that makes you ashamed, and you turn to the things that he does approve of, that he says is true, that he says is righteous, and you pursue those things. Does that make sense? And that's the only way we'll ever be vessels for his honor. Look at what he says right below that text. He says right above it, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Then he gives us the verse, but in a great house, the church, there are vessels of gold and silver that are of honor. There are vessels of wood and clay that are for dishonor. But if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, those things that dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and prepared for every good work. Guys, listen, if you're going to be sanctified and prepared, he says, flee also youthful lust. If you don't flee youthful lust, that's carnality, it will lead you to iniquity every time. So you have to flee. How do you do it? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And look at what he says. With those who call on the Lord out of a what? Pure heart. You know, when God looks at us today, he sees our heart. Jesus said, quoting Isaiah, he said, in vain do they worship me with their lips when their hearts are far from me. You know, you can say the right thing and know the right thing, but if you're not living the right thing, you can never be the vessel for honor that God wants us to be. You see, when we look at integrity, we have forgotten how important integrity and character is. It don't mean nothing in politics, amen? There was more integrity and character 50 years ago in politics than there is in the church today. Because people in the church can live any old way, do any old thing, and ain't nobody going to say a thing to them. And I don't know about y'all, but in politics today, they can lie, they can do anything. And there's no repercussions, no integrity, no character. But friends, listen, it, it, it starts there. But if you don't turn from iniquity, depart from it, and pursue righteousness, it'll start in your life. You won't have integrity. And you won't have character. You don't think integrity is important in Proverbs. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. What that means, he lives out a life of integrity. And it says, and his children are blessed after him. 
Friends, integrity, what is integrity? If you look integrity up in the Webster's Dictionary, it says integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral uprightness. Did you hear that? Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral uprightness. You see, integrity is all about character. But you'll never have character unless you first have integrity. And I don't know about you, I struggle. Because we don't always walk what we talk. And we don't always be what we say. You see, somebody said it like this. Integrity is about being truthful and honest before God. It means saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Letting your yes be yes and your no be no. And that's right out the word in James. But integrity is more than just saying. Integrity is doing what we say. Integrity is doing what we say. And if integrity is doing what we say, character is being what we say. You see, integrity produces character. And you know what a vessel of honor that sits on the household of God that looks like silver and gold to our master is? A person who has integrity that not only does what God says is right, but he is being what God says is right. And friends, that's lacking today in our lives. It's lacking. It's not something we deem important. You see, integrity is what produces character, and character is what honors God. Does that make sense to you? And God is able to produce character. If you tell the, tr- uh, no, if you tell, tell the truth all the time, if you're jealous and angry and envious all the time, if you're materialistic all the time, sooner or later your kids see it. If you say one thing but your kids watch you do another, if you say one thing but your spouse sees another, if they can see it, God's seen it a long, long time ago. Can I get an amen on that? It's quiet, ain't it? Now, how many of you know this is true? We don't like to deal with it, but how many of you want to be a vessel of honor, for honor? I don't want to be everyday common. I want the Lord to look at me and say, that's what I've been looking for. He has a pure heart. He's departed from iniquity. He has an occasional sin, but he's tender. When he sins, it breaks him. He comes to me. He does business with me. You know what happens when a person who's right with God sins? Well, I thought we don't sin. No, the Bible says in John, 1 John 1, 8, if you say you have no sin, you lie and the truth is not in you. But if the truth is in you, you're going to sin every now and then. But you know what happens? When you sin, 1 John 1, verse 9 says you confess your sin. And he is faithful and just to cleanse you from your sin and all your unrighteousness. And it says that I write these things in the next verse, in 1 John 2, 1, I write these things so that you don't sin. And if you do sin, know we have an advocate. Jesus the righteous. That's how important it is that we be righteous. God has provided all of that so we can confess. Guys, listen to what it says about in Proverbs about integrity. It says, he who walks with his integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his way will become known. Proverbs says, your sin will find you out. And you can have a whole life of a religious reputation that people look to. 
that people said, what a good godly man. But if that reputation is not really your character, that's just what people think you are, sooner or later when it finds out, it'll be ruined by that lack of character. Listen to what he also says. It says the integrity of the upright will guide them. But the, person of the, but the perversity, the ungodliness of the unfaithful will destroy them. You know what's wrong with America today? America is shooting herself in the foot every day. America had everything God wanted it to have. He poured out into us a place where Christ had its way. The church was an influence in its culture. The church had an impact in its society. The society went south when the church went south. The culture went astray because the church has went astray. It's a hard thing to say. Listen, but it's true. If we walked in our integrity and we had character, the lost would come to church and they'd look and see vessels for honor that glorify Jesus, but when they come and they see vessels that are dishonored, that are getting caught in their sin, and we all fall, we all can be restored, and God will grant you repentance, and He will restore you, and He will heal you if you're in sin, and even if you get caught in it, thank God. But your testimony and our ability to bring honor to God is hindered. Does that make sense? When they look at somebody and they can't find anything wrong and their life is a vessel for honor and it's like silver and gold, it's pure and honorable, guess what? They say their God must be real. Because listen what else it says. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than the one who is perverse who walks in his wickedness though he be rich. The Bible says it's better to be poor and have integrity than to be rich and be wicked. And friends, that's what Paul's talking about here. The righteous man walks in his integrity. And listen to this one here. He who walks with integrity walks securely. Well, I don't know about y'all, but when you are what you say you are, ain't that a peace? Ain't that a a wonderful thing because you have that security, that safety. Paul says right there what we are to do. He says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, pursue faith, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Do y'all remember what Jesus said about those of us who call on the Lord out of a pure heart? He says, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see me. How many times do we call on the Lord and we don't see nothing but the ceiling? <laughs> we call on the Lord and we don't see nothing but what we called on Him for in the first place. Nothing changes. You know why that happens? According to my Bible, my Bible tells me that Isaiah says this. 
He says, Behold the Lord's hand. It is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is here heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue has muttered perversity. He says that's why he don't answer prayer. That's why he don't show his face. You know what else the Bible says in Psalm 66, verse 18? If I regard iniquity in my heart, my Lord will not hear. Friends, this is a hard verse to deal with, but the good news is, if you'll confess, he's waiting to hear. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I ain't doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't pray. I don't do the things. I ain't in the Word. I don't know about y'all. You know how I found this out? In the Word. But you know what the Word showed me? You know it, Marvin. But you don't live it like you should. You don't live it like you could. When we start living the Word of God with integrity and character, we'll be vessels for honor, and guess what will happen? The church house will be so desirable to God that he'll show up and you'll say, where has God been if we all got right with God? It's always sin. It always has been sin. It always will be sin. But I don't know about y'all. I thank God for the sin bearer, for the sin taker, for the one who will forgive us today, who the one who died for us today so that he could what? Save you, deliver you, cleanse you and keep you so that you could what? Be sanctified, set apart, so that you could live a life approved to him, so that you could be useful to him, our master. I don't know about y'all today, but the master is looking at his house. Are you a vessel of honor? Today you can be. All you got to do is say, Lord, cleanse me. He said, if we are cleansed from the latter, the things that dishonor, we will, we might not, we might not. He didn't say we might be, I hope you'll be. He said you will be a vessel for honor. When we leave this world, the greatest thing that we'll ever have to give to Jesus is the life lived that honored him, amen? And so that's what I'm talking about this morning. I'll ask you to let God speak, not Marvin. What did God tell you today? and let him have his way this week. And I bet you if we come back next week prepared, set apart, approved by God, not ashamed of things in our life because we gave them to Jesus this week, I believe we'd see a major difference in our life and in our church services. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray and we're going to stand and then we're going to sing a song. What are we going to sing, Brother John? Hmm? Only something. Father in heaven, I pray today that you would, Lord, move in our lives, that you would, Lord, um, have your way, that you would, as David cried out, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Lord, I remember when there was a spiritual presence here that was so undeniable. People were excited. People were full of the joy of your salvation. And, Lord, it's still here. We just, we need it to be renewed. And Lord, I pray you'll start in my heart Start in each, every one here today. Examine us and help us leave here as vessels for your honor, cleansed, approved in your sight, bringing joy and honor to your name. 
Forgive us tonight where we failed you and help us tomorrow to draw closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen.